Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Melvin, and I'm coming to you live from Philly Made. The date is October 8th, 2018, and I am truly excited to bring the energy and bring the good stuff to you. Uh, most of you people listening to this may say that I'm in my comfy office in my cushy place and where I live at, and I got it made. Well, I'm going to tell you today that you got it made, too, because you were born rich. Once again, I say that you were born rich and every last one of you have talents and skills endowed by God that's going to allow you to provide for your family. So if you're ready to go on a ride and you're ready to learn a little bit, I'm going to start this conversation off by telling you a little bit about me, because as you can see, my life was shaped by trials and tribulations. I am an American kid who was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So with that just being said, you know that I faced a lot of adversity. So the theme of today is called trials and tribulations. So never allow life's circumstances to define your future. Remember that knowledge is power. And if you acquire enough of it by genuine intentions, your unique skill set will circumvent the notion of questioning your past. Because my life was shaped by trials and tribulations. I am an American kid whose life was influenced by mind-altering circumstances like murder, abuse, addiction, and homelessness, all before I was 10 years old. It's the process of life that defines who we are. Failure is a part of that process. Fight or flight, either we summon the strength to survive or we run away from the hardship. Nevertheless, this natural procedure shapes who you become. For me, I remember the first time I heard my mentor, Jim Rome, say, set a goal to make a million bucks, not because of the money, but for what you would become in the process, the process of transforming into an entrepreneur, motivational speaker and author started for me when my father was murdered on September 3rd, 1983. Growing up, I've often heard the saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Yet from as early as I can remember, I lost my chieftain. The process of growing up without a father defined my early childhood. Bill Gates, one of the richest men on the planet, couldn't have said it better when he said the first five years have so much to do with how the next 80 will turn out. I validated this statement for the first 24 years out of my life. Lack of guidance from a strong male role model defined my choices. I remember the first time I tasted the consequences of a process defined by loss. It manifested itself in a 12-year-old, highly intelligent, stupid kid, too smart to recognize my potential and naive enough to think that I didn't have any. Unfortunately, the murder of my father, coupled with witnessing my mother's physically abused before graduating to crack cocaine, defined my perception of life. Nevertheless, I remember reading Vernon Howard's quote when he said, we are enslaved by anything we do not consciously see. We are freed by conscious perception. The crazy thing about it is the most damaging part of my childhood was the fact that my perception, I could only envision a future with me either dead or in jail. From as early as 20 years old, thoughts about fast money and shortcuts consumed me. I've often asked myself what I would have done differently if I had the wisdom of Joel Weldon, who said, what you value is what you think about. What you think about is what you become. 
My ill thoughts manifest themselves in the form of being arrested for burglary at 12 years old. When reminiscing about that night, I've often thought out loud to myself, I should have been home preparing for the next day of school. Nevertheless, my life has been a collection of experiences and it is in my belief in this that has shared me or inspired me to share this. Circumstances far from within my control fashion me into the person I am. For instance, I am an African-American kid from Philadelphia who lost his father to gun violence. Then to further complicate my situation, I was given the dubious distinction of watching my grieving mother abused before picking up drugs and becoming an addict. Losing a parent combined with seeing the slow and agonizing maturation of my mother's addiction altered my thought process. As a teenager, my thoughts were motivated by negativity. Survival of the fittest had become my motto. Thoughts like this encouraged negative behaviors causing me to spend time in the state penitentiary before God blessed me with my purpose, transforming me into an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, author, and owner of two companies. I hope that you will be able to draw inspiration from my ability to never give up and keep Pete pushing. Failure was a part of my process. My life was determined by how much fight I had inside my inner souls. I never allowed for those misfortunes to change the direction in which my life was headed. I rose to the occasion and stood firm, laying the foundation for greatness. I feel obligated to share this because there has never been a better time for greatness. We stand with a choice of allowing our current situation to consume us versus rising to the occasion and never giving up. Life as an entrepreneur has been an oxymoronic experience for me. Growing up in North Philadelphia as a kid, my survival was based in part on learning characteristics that were counterproductive to corporate America. During my childhood, if I connected with anyone, I was at a disadvantage. Growing up in urban America required me to evolve into a selfish, self-centered person. My only concern was about me. It was survival of the fittest. Only the strong survived. The oxymoronic feeling I am referring to can be traced back to a statement I once heard. It said, to be successful, you must be willing to serve. Nevertheless, during the first 24 years of my life, the success of my survival was based on the opposite of serving. Fast forward 24 years and to the present date, and I still find myself having to learn those animalistic, having to unlearn those animalistic characteristics that assured my survival until my potential connected me with enough people to change my zip code. Potential is truly amazing when it is used correctly. It can change the direction of my life, propelling me on a quest of manifestation. I started to read. I started to learn about other people's experiences. They seem to illuminate that path to greatness, bringing forth the wisdom that helping others reach their goals is the cornerstone to successful living. And the ultimate opportunity excuse me, to successful limit and unlimited opportunities. But it was not until after I was able to establish a connection with my thoughts, then I was able to hear the whispers of my purpose. And it was because successful living is about connecting with people and learning what their dreams are. I truly believed Zig Ziglar when he said, you can have everything in life you want 
if you would just help other people get what they want. So chapter one is about those trials and tribulations, those trials and tribulations before chapter two starts when I found my purpose, because life is a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Originally, the definition of my purpose connected to me via YouTube. I still remember hearing Les Brown, one of the world's most renowned motivational speakers, as he wowed thousands of people with his speech, I'm the one. It didn't matter that he had been born on the floor of an abandoned building in Liberty City, Miami. It was as if his collection of experiences were feeding him with energy as he connected to the audience. I had never experienced anything like this. It was as if I could feel Les's embarrassment. I could feel his determination. Les created a connection with me by sharing his story in terms of emotions. Because of this, I was able to relate to everything he articulated. Just like many of the people attending the event, I too had experienced pain, embarrassment, and failure, just like Les Brown did. However, Les showed me a vision of something better. Even though he couldn't tell you who his birth parents were, if they walked right in front of him, he still made it. And if Les could do it, I knew that I could do it. Now, wouldn't most of you agree that God does not put more hardships on your shoulders than you can bear? Think about all the trials and tribulations you have experienced in life. Often due to those negative thinking, we associate bad circumstances with bad luck. Often as a child, I would say to myself, something bad always happens to me. Contrary to the belief of my younger version or my younger surf self, it wasn't bad luck. Those bad circumstances were forming me into the person I am because only after tremendous amounts of pressure and high temperature is a diamond formed. It takes unbearable circumstances for something of true value to form. A little piece of stone that is rough, jagged and undefined, just like us must overcome its own hardship to become something great. Overcoming adversity in a pressure-filled environment represented my cutting and polishing. I believe that the purpose for overcoming hardships is to create a person that reflects wisdom within his thoughts and purpose. Even renowned author Daniel Defoe knew this to be true when he said, the soul is placed in the body like a rough diamond and must be polished or the luster of it will never appear. Unplanned circumstances polished me until I was defined and ready to show the world that I was here. Pressure was a part of my success and it was my destiny to learn how to embrace it. So embrace pressure. It has fashioned you into the person you are today. And only after surviving the damaging aspects of life are we able to unearth deep reservoirs of character within us. Unbeknown to many of us is how we have to develop the kind of character that will allow us to manage any kind of difficulty. Growing up, I never understood why some people seem to have it easy. I was oblivious to the fact that hardships were conditioning me to never give up. Being conditioned to never give up is a part of the process of becoming successful. 
The evolution of a leader is defined by his determination. Leaders grow their influence by never giving up. Babe Ruth, America's former home run king, knew this to be truth when he said, you just can't beat the person who won't give up. We grow through pain and failure, but because of negativity, negative thoughts, and a negative perception, we often do not see the power and experience we acquire from never giving up. Successful living is a learned characteristic like anything else in life. However, one must master determination. We must learn to have resolve like Thomas Edison, who created the first incandescent light bulb. After such a massive accomplishment, Edison would go on to later say, our greatest weakness lies in never giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to always try just one more time. Try one more time to master your trade. Try one more time to listen to this audio video. Try one more time to get up and to master what you said you was going to do yesterday. Try one more time to forgive yourself for a mistake you made many years ago. Chapter three starts off about comeback power. Be not the slave to your own past. Plunge into the sublime sea, deep dive and swim far so you shall not come back with self-respect, with new power and an advanced experience that shall explain and overlook the old. Everything we experience is shaping us into the person we have become. We must have the courage to learn from it. For example, what if I told you that, that the foundation of sales that I have was learned on the corner of a block in Philadelphia? I learned the importance of product differentiation in a capitalistic environment. With everyone having access to the wishing well, I had to find a way to capitalize on my customers' inability to be without our product. I built brand recognition by not allowing for the elements to even stop me. Rain, snow, sleet, or shine. I was expected to serve my customers faithfully. Unlike most addicts who use drugs recreationally, my customer base had a physical addiction. For them, getting their supply of daily medication became a ritual. It was the first time I experienced a repeat customer, daily recurring revenue. I do not make this point to glorify illegal narcotics. I wanted to illustrate how I use comeback power to turn a terrible mistake into one of my strengths. You have to remember whether the deed was good or bad. Everything we face is shaping us. We must have the courage to come back from some of those mistakes. Many of you listening to this today will have to learn to unlock the comeback power within yourself. Understand how to access that determination needed to triumph the loss of everything is difficult. It is a lesson that must be experienced. And after I lost everything, it was comeback power that gave me the power to reestablish myself as a productive citizen. After being branded a felon, the lowest of the underclass, destined to return to the Department of Corrections. During my time in the state penitentiary, I lost all my material possessions. Upon my release from Cuhanna Motivational Boot Camp, a six-month military-style boot camp program operated by the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections, the real journey began. I got off the Greyhound bus with just enough money to make it to the halfway house. Physically, I was at rock bottom, but mentally I understood that life was a collection of experiences 
And it was during my experience in the state penitentiary that I had found mannerism in my speech, goals for my future, and the introduction to telecommunication. These characteristics would later go on to guide me to my true passion. Articulating mannerism in my speech could convince protective prospective employees of my skill set. I was able to neutralize the risk of hiring a felon by bringing attention to the reward of hiring an employee with my skill set. My ability to confidently articulate my knowledge of telecommunication helped me come back from the stigma of being branded a felon. For those of you who are unable to relate to the comeback power from being incarcerated, I wanted to share a few things about my life. Drugs have taken everything from me. My father was shot in the head on 20th and Siegel down South Philly on September 4th, 1983 because of drugs. Narcotics affected my life even before I knew the meaning of the word. Due to this, I spent the first 24 years of my life coming back from the loss of a father. Losing his wealth of knowledge left me disabled. It caused me to conform to my environment, becoming careless in my words, lazy in my actions, and comfortable with the status quo. Nevertheless, it was comeback power that allowed me to triumph a disabled perception of life, giving me the hope that there, that there is life after any mistake encouraging me to focus on things that were within my control and controlling the chaos within my life was the best place to start. See, when that happened, I noticed a change. And, and, and the next chapter is success. It won't be easy because those closest to you will be your biggest deterrent. Success won't be easy because those closest to you will be your biggest deterrent. When you write the story of your life, don't let anyone else hold the pen. Chaos had become the norm in my life. Even with clear direction of my purpose, it had been the interactions with, the, with those closest to me that have caused me the most pain. I'm sorry to say this, but the people closest to me had become a drain on my future, my disposition, it was like we had become a barrel of crabs, pulling each other down. True to that analogy, I was never able to get out before being pulled back into that same environment. To be honest, my success didn't start until I was able to think like a wolf, an alpha, the leader of the pack, one who would rather decapitate his leg than allow himself to remain stuck. He would bite it. He would chew it. He would make sure that that leg would go before he would remain stuck. I, too, became willing to decapitate those people and interactions in my life that were preventing me from reaching my goals. Because even the strongest bridge will break if it is overwhelmed. Many of those I interacted with, they thought that they was Picasso. They had a perfect vision for me. They called me crazy and aggressive when I became aware. However, it didn't matter because God was calling me to what I was destined to be, bringing to the forefront how chaotic and unstill my life was. Having dysfunctional relationships was killing my progress. I had to remember things like as a man reads and grows, his eyes open. 
Statements like this reinforced in me that I had something deep down inside that was saying, let me be. My awakening affected my relationships first. Those closest to me started communicating to others that I was going crazy. After my consciousness, it was like people who were controlling my life had lost control. They rebelled by saying things like I was aggressive and selfish or I was a narcissist. Next came the new woman accusation. The funny thing about all of this was if those closest to me took the time to look around, they would have saw what was new in my life. That burning desire to find greatness had consumed my thoughts. It straddled my brain as I slept and tore my heart apart day by day as I saw those not willing to help me reach my peak. Discouragement had become my biggest challenge. Her careless accusations and negative perception put my life in jeopardy. Her whispers were reminiscent of a careless wife who had become unsympathetic in her words and actions. Even for someone like me, who insulated my mind, body, and soul from all outside influences. Discouragement was able to manipulate the, those closest to me to be her voice. She became a trickster, and true to her definition, she whispered how hard the journey would be. Unfortunately, as a child, I succumbed to her influence. It allowed her to indirectly whisper and deceive me perpetuating the belief that success starts with street cred. Discouragement kept me from learning as a child that success starts with writing down your goals. I became successful the moment I acted. However, discouragement continued to remind me that she was a worthy opponent. She refused to stop. Her tactics were to enlist others to spew negative discouraging paradigms into my consciousness. When this didn't work, discouragement kept those in my life who were in service to the chaos. It was like when I was when when I stopped giving service to the chaos, those who served it were no longer in my life. By encouraging discouragement out of my life, I was able to find an answer to say to discouraging, controlling, manipulating people. Yes, I agree. I am aggressively fighting back from manipulating, controlling people. I am aggressive in my decision to see the world from an objective perspective. My decision to remain objective will be swift and confident. I understand that I cannot control every situation. God is the best of planners. Therefore, I refuse to allow anyone's agenda to supersede his plan. No influences other than God's will has the authority to control my future. My purpose is, is defined by my destiny. Let me be free, for God has a plan that he has already written for me. During my pursuit of becoming a more effective person, son, father, and brother, I found that most people didn't want the best version of me. They preferred a version of me that could be manipulated and used. The evidence appeared when those closest to me started to disrupting my purpose, started saying things like, I'm controlling. And I think I know it all. But the fact of the matter was, they had lost control of me. Enhanced awareness to something better unlocked my perception, nurturing the consideration that I could become something different. For me, it was like purchasing my first car. 
Before the purchase, I had never noticed how many people were driving Chevy Aveus. However, during that test drive, something happened as I drove down the road, seeing if this car was a fit for me. I could not help but notice how many of the same model cars were on the road. It was like my awareness of this car was on overdrive. Just like that day, many years ago, my awareness towards excuses and people's inability to answer direct questions went into overdrive. I started to realize that one of my greatest problems was my inability to manage those important relationships with God, family, and people. Because of this, my life had become chaotic during that time frame. I forgot how to govern my time, my health, and my emotions. Discouragement had almost extinguished me. She was on the verge of institutionalizing the way that I thought. She had transformed my desire for a loving family, kids who were respectful, who would never experience homelessness, addiction, and death into my greatest worry. My environment had become my greatest problem. So when your environment is too small for your dream, remember this. A lot of people often forget that the main purpose of being in a circle is to continuously grow with it and never to be held back by it. Having an environment that was conducive to growth is one of the most important ingredients for success. Being unable to establish a ritual tailored towards success is taxing. The mind of a determined entrepreneur never stops moving. Furthermore, it didn't matter that I had a vision, a plan, and a desire to succeed. From a practical standpoint, my infrastructure was filled with vendors and distributors positioned for my success. However, my life was still chaotic. I couldn't establish a ritual that would allow me to excel. Even though learning how to become successful is simple, it has been written in thousands of books with clear instructions on how to transform yourself. You know, all it takes is a dream and the desire to do it. Earl Nightingale, one of the pioneers of the professional development industry, defined success in his own words as, success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or idea. He would later go on to also say, all you need is a plan, the roadmap, and the courage to press on to a destination. Having a plan allows us to deviate from the normality of staying the same. As captains of our ship, it's incumbent upon us to regain control of our lives by navigating out of those broken environments, those treacherous waters, those people that are telling you that you're never going to be anything, that you don't amount to anything, those people that are holding you back. It is, it is in your control to navigate out of that broken environment. But for most of us, taking that step backward, it's very difficult after you realize your purpose. Having a divine vision illuminates our perception, causing us to spend the rest of our lives fighting to make a dream come true. You know, entrepreneurship is about becoming a visionary. However, sometimes our environment is not conducive to creating our current vision. Henry David Thorne knew this to be true when he said, what is the use of a house if you haven't got a tolerable planet to put it on? What is the use of having a vision 
with specific goals intent on the manifestation of our destiny when our environment is the first obstacle we face every day. Often, the best way to move forward is through that process of taking a step backwards. I guess this is the point when you're saying, what is this guy Melvin Williams talking about? I thought he was about never giving up while moving forward. No matter what obstacles life dealt him. You know, I would say to you, I completely understand your skepticism. I even thought to myself, this is easier said than done before coming across the words of wisdom from Frank Zappa, who said, without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. Far too many of us are attempting to cultivate success in a toxic environment. I feel a sincere obligation to relay this message because without deviation, there will be no growth. For instance, when it came to me, I did not grow. Okay. I was able to create major relationships with some of the premier technology distributors like Comcast, Verizon, PAX 8, to name a few. I formed, I formed partnerships with channel vendors who were great at what they did. Nevertheless, they had an indirect sales model offering their products and service to consumers who only sold indirectly as a mediator. This gave me a tremendous advantage to other solution providers. In my opinion, with a system like this, I should have been able to help a million businesses transition their on-premise technology solutions into the cloud. However, because of my environment, I lacked that peace of mind. And I didn't have what was needed to be successful. So I had to have the courage to take a deep dive into those shortcomings and the people that were overwhelming me. For instance, it takes real courage to walk away from a toxic situation in life. As a fatherless child who became an uncle, godfather, and big brother at 12 years old, my sacrifices have always played a role in my thought process. Very early as a child, my perception about sacrifices was shaped by my mother's unwavering desire to provide for her children. Mom would do whatever it took to make sure we had food and a roof over our heads. Seeing her endure pain, abuse, and psychological disruption, destruction shaped what I was willing to accept to create a better home for my children versus the one I had growing up as a child. Seeing my mother sacrifice her mind, body, and soul to provide for her convinced me that it was acceptable to endure pain, disrespect, and psychological abuse to maintain a two-parent household. Trapping me in a web of lies, amplified by discouraging words and actions. I was physically and economically unable to summon the courage to be an effective father. I had been rendered disabled. My willingness to sacrifice happiness had hampered my ability to lead my children. Just like my mother, I was willing to jeopardize my physical and mental well-being to remain a direct provider. In a more direct way of saying it, I had become an addict, addicted to all the things I didn't want. Therefore, I understand how overwhelming taking a deep dive into our shortcomings can be. Ralph Waldo Emerson understood this when he said, Whatever you do, you need courage. Whatever course you decide upon, there is always someone telling you that you are wrong. There, 
there are always difficulties arising that tempt you to believe critics are right. To map out a course of action and follow it to the end requires some of the same coverage that a soldier needs. Peace has its victories, but it takes brave men and women to win them. Ralph Waldo Emerson knew this to be true. So it took real courage to realize that some of the people closest to me didn't like the person I had become. They had preferred an old version of me. They would rather me be mentally, physically, and financially unstable before accepting that I was not the same person anymore, before I had to walk away. So walking away from a toxic situation is our victory. And remember, all it takes is the courage of the knowledge of the problem, then the courage to map out a course of action, then the determination to act. And that brings us to the next chapter, which states, take action. Never, ever allow for fear of the unknown to prevent you from acting. The experience from conquering the unknown can be a powerful tool. Just look at the Philadelphia Eagles, the 2018 Super Bowl champions. Jeffrey Lawyer, Jeffrey Laurie took major action when he fired Chip Kelly. Most people would assume that Jeffrey Laurie, a billionaire, would not have never taken such an emotional risk. Elliot Shore Parks, author of More Than a Game, Life Lessons from Philadelphia Sports Community, had some very negative things to say when he said, Firing Chip Kelly is a big mistake by Jeffrey Laurie and the Eagles. On the other hand, it's hard to feel the same about Laurie, who has never won a Super Bowl as an NFL owner, or Howie Roseman, who is a year removed from being stripped of his power and certainly isn't thought of as highly in league circuits as Kelly. It's hard to imagine Kelly not being very successful are a very successful special head coach in the NFL. It isn't hard to see Laurie Roseman falling and failing in their attempts to replace Kelly or build a Super Bowl team. Fast forward two years and the Philadelphia Eagles are the Super Bowl champions. Jeffrey Laurie, Jeffrey Laurie removed the cancer, Chip Kelly, from his organization by recognizing him as the problem and then creating a plan to correct it and he was rewarded with the Vince Lombardi trophy. Often in the past, when I thought about acting, there was always a voice inside my head trying to convince me to remain stuck. So I understand that there is fear and trepidation and taking a step forward. Okay? So even before hearing other people's opinions and those closest to us, we have to combat our own fear. So just remember, Success rewards preparation. Remember when Jeffrey Laurie said, you got to open your heart to players and everyone if you want to achieve peak performance. You have to get along with everyone you work with and come in contact with. There are a lot of parallels we can draw from the Philadelphia Eagles, the 2018 Super Bowl champions. We witnessed them build a winning team recreating a better version of themselves each week until they reach their goal. The Eagles per persevered through everything to rise from underdogs to top dogs in the 2018 season. We got an opportunity to see firsthand how success rewards preparation. 
and the Philadelphia Eagles, the 2018 Super Bowl champions and body preparation. For most of us to understand preparation in the context of the Philadelphia Eagles, we must go back to 1999 when Doug Peterson was signed to the Philadelphia Eagles as the starting quarterback. But I don't think that it was Doug's purpose to lead the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl in 1999. About five games into that year, Doug would pass the baton off to one of the greatest quarterbacks of the Philadelphia Eagles history. Doug Peterson, the Super Bowl winning coach, the coach that defeated Bill Belichick, the hoodie, started out in humbleness, passing the baton off to Donovan McNabb. Peterson groomed McNabb. Most of us would not have connected how two of the three Super Bowl quarterbacks of the Philadelphia Eagles history would specifically work with Doug Peterson. Therefore, I asked the question, was it Doug's purpose to be our starting quarterback or was it his purpose to prepare the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterbacks to win and succeed in the Super Bowl? When we look at Doug, history's, Doug Peterson's history, we must take notice of this. If at first you don't succeed, try, try and try again. Remember, Doug Peterson's first task was to get Donovan McNabb ready to play in the NFL. Most of us would say Donovan had a successful career. Many of us, if we were fans, would say that Donovan may be a Hall of Famer. But the thing, the thing about Donovan McNabb that was so discouraging was how he acted when he was asked the question about Donovan McNabb, Donovan, about Doug Peterson, who showed him how to be an employee, leading by example on how to be a good NFL quarterback. Now, let's fast forward to the day Doug Peterson was hired and the negativity that surrounded him and how people don't have vision for who you are. Some of the people that were your friends, your colleagues, people you invested in helping to, for them to become the person that they are. I was appalled when I heard this quote from Donovan McNabb. Now, as an alumni, I think that I can say for a lot of us, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to recreate the 1999 through 2009 Eagles or are they trying to relive the past or do they want someone to come in and set his own legacy? I want to see the Eagles win, but I don't know if you do that just by bringing guys back who were there. Donovan McNabb said this about the first person who showed him how to be an NFL quarterback. Donovan didn't have faith in Doug. So the Philadelphia Eagles are a team that embodies people who said that they couldn't have it, that they said that they weren't good enough. I still laugh when I think back to Ian O'Connor when he said, you know, Doug Peterson is a bad hire. The trifecta, poor player as a coach, his lack of experience, poor play. ESPN ranked Doug Peterson as the least qualified head coach of all time. The guy didn't even call plays in Kansas City is what they said. He only got the job due to Andy Reid's endorsement. He's not smart enough to ever win. He doesn't run the ball. He doesn't go for it. He goes for it too many times on fourth down. People doubted Doug Peterson from the start, but it was Jeffrey Lurie's vision of how to build a successful team. That's why he hired Doug Peterson, who ESPN ranked as the worst coach ever. But within two years, Doug Peterson is successful as the Super Bowl winning coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, let's draw another parallel from Doug. Something sometimes your purpose is not manifesting itself in exactly what you're doing. 
Sometimes your purpose comes out gradually after year after year. Sometimes you're not prepared to do what needs to be done. Doug wasn't prepared in 1999 to lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He wasn't prepared to lead Donovan. He wasn't prepared the first time. And he was not prepared. But he tried and he tried again. And he was prepared when he beat the hoodie. So now let's shift to Howie Roseman, who I am a major fan of. The guy who wasn't a football guy. The guy who was banished to the broom closet. But what did Howie do? Howie had resolved. He understood that success loves preparation. He prepared and he studied within that broom closet, learning what it would take to be successful. Then on the day he was given back power as the GM, the first decision that Howie, Howie Roseman would make, it was a decision of recognition. He recognized that his strengths, understanding that he needed people to help him reach his goals. So from out of the broom closet, from not being a football guy to a person who just crunches the numbers, Howie can stand up and say he is the architect of the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles. It is his vision, his purpose, and determination that has caused him to pick up free agents like Corey Clemens, who 31 other teams said wasn't good enough to draft seven rounds. Corey Clemens looked pretty good to me during the Super Bowl. His stat line read that he had over 100 receiving yards. Howie had the vision to pick Corey Clemens. Howie never allowed others to tell him what he could do or what he was destined to do. According to Chip Kelly, Howie was just a numbers guy. He didn't even want to work with him, banishing Howie to the broom closet. However, as the Eagles became the Super Bowl champions, Howie Roseman reigned supreme. Remember, to never allow for anyone else's perception of you to become your reality. Howie Roseman didn't let it happen. And to be honest, it doesn't matter if anyone says that you were not good enough to do it, what you were destined to do. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's start with the winning quarterback. Nick Foles was traded to the St. Louis Rams, who were told, they told him he wasn't good enough to start for their team after throwing 27 touchdowns in a single season and just two picks they told him that he wasn't good enough to start and that he was a backup then they told him he couldn't play football anymore and he almost retired he almost listened to the negative stinking thinking of all those people who didn't have the faith and the desire needed to succeed Nick Foles, the MVP of the Super Bowl, is a parallel to anyone who says that you can't have it or you couldn't do it. And when he took to the stand, his press conference, he put the one thing in purpose, in perspective, and it was God. He put his thanks, God first. His faith, his faith in God protected his vision, allowing him to succeed. 32 NFL teams said that Jason Peterson wasn't good enough. He had to sign as an undrafted free agent tight end only to persevere and become a future Hall of Fame, one of the greatest left tackles of the Philadelphia Eagles history, a future Hall of Famer. They said that he couldn't have it on the day. That, they said that we couldn't have it on the day that Carson Wentz was injured, echoing that the Philadelphia Eagles were dead. For many of us today that are waking up, they said that you can't have it. They said that you weren't good enough. They said that you didn't have the stuff inside of you to be successful. 
for that kid that's trying to become a better person who is fighting his own demons, who is listening to the outside noise. Think about this. As I watch Brandon Graham strip the ball from the golden boy, the GOAT, Tom Brady, I want you to remember how Brandon Graham turned perceived failure into success. It was on 2010. It was in 2010 when we drafted Brandon Graham 13 overall. How could the Philadelphia Eagles draft Brandon Graham, a small defensive end with a high motor, when Earl Thomas was still on the board? Super Bowl winning champion Earl Thomas. But no longer will Brandon Graham be the person that was passed upon for Earl Thomas. We're going to start talking about Brandon Graham making that play that won the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to start talking about how Brandon turned perceived failure into success. There are a lot of buses or a lot of perceived buses on the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl winning team. They said that they couldn't win. They said that Doug was the worst hire ever. They said that Howie wasn't a football guy. Let's even go back to Jeffrey Lurie, who purchased the Philadelphia Eagles 20 years ago. They said that he couldn't have the Patriots. But how bittersweet is it for him to win his Super Bowl against Robert Kraft? the person who took and purchased the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles may not have five Super Bowl rings, but they got passion, will, desire, and determination. Most importantly, they have success because success rewards preparation. And when I think about the Eagles, it got me thinking about when I was young, you know, and, and how back in 1999, there were athletes that were always there for me. And I want to say that I have always been blessed by the best. And I want to say never, under, never underestimate the difference you can make in the lives of others. Step forward, reach out and help. Throughout my life, I've had a lot of special mentors inspire me to be great. These mentors don't even have a clue that they left a lasting impression on me, guiding me from a distance on my journey towards greatness. I still remember it like it was yesterday, sweat running down my face as I stood on the sideline of the practice facility of the Baltimore Ravens. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was about to hear from someone who would change the way I interpreted people's perception of me. Up until that day, I would allow people's perception of me to dictate what I thought I was capable of doing. Nevertheless, after that day, greatness had reached out from right in front of me and got my attention. Success had gave me an image to imitate when it, when it introduced me to Priest Holmes, Marvin Lewis, and Shannon Sharp. These three men would plant the seeds of greatness within me. They would never see me again. But that didn't change the fact that I that they were a beacon of light for me. I would look forward to their success when I failed. I would remember that Priest Holmes said as he looked me, myself, and my teammates in our eyes, and he said, I might not be with the Baltimore Ravens next year. The organization does not believe in my knees. I was an undrafted rookie free agent running back who made it. But it seems like management does not have faith in my durability. Priest's next statement would change me. He said, never let another person's opinion of you deter you from pushing through. Use it as a motivator to push through the pain. Priest Holmes did exactly that after he stopped talking to us, right after he went back into the training facility and iced down his knees.
Priest did exactly that after winning the Super Bowl with the Super Bowl with the 2000 Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl champions as a second string running back. Priest knew that the opinion of the Ravens management didn't matter. He would later go on to sign an inexpensive contract in his free agent year with the Kansas City Chiefs. He bet on himself. The opinion of the other 31 NFL teams didn't matter to him. It was his belief in his ability that pushed him to lead the NFL in rushing with 1,555 yards in 2001, becoming the first undrafted player to lead the NFL in rushing. Then in, 20, in 2003, when greatness called his name again, Priest would dig deep, summoning the strength to break Hall of Famers, Mar break Hall of Famers, Marshall Falk's single-season touchdown record with a total of 27. Priest Holmes would later retire as the Chiefs' all-time leader for career touchdowns, career rushing touchdowns with a total of 76, plus an additional 6,000 yards, an additional 70 rushing yards. He did this after the Baltimore Ravens lost faith in his durability, deciding not to offer him a contract. He did this after they said that he couldn't do it anymore. So the next time that anyone gives you an opinion about what you can do, remember Priest Holmes, who didn't allow the Baltimore Ravens' opinion of him to define his legacy. So that brings me to whose story are you living? Because when you look at a man the way that he is, he only becomes worse. But look at a man as if he were what he could be, then he becomes what he should be. And that's what Girdle said. And I say, I owe all that I am and all that I will ever be to the mother that raised me. We were slaves once, children of parents who couldn't read, children of parents who knew nothing but hard labor. Today, my gift to my mother is the recognition of everything she has ever taught me. From the day I was born, she taught me to be a man. From the day my father was murdered by his best friend, she taught me to watch those closest to me. From the day she was hit by a man, she taught me to never abuse a woman. From the day we lost our house, she taught me to be strong, never allowing for my children to experience homelessness. From the day that she decided to get up off of crack cocaine, she taught me that no matter how hard the circumstances are, you can never give up. All that I am and all that I will ever be, I owe to my mother, Catherine Williams. Sometimes when you look in the mirror and you're unhappy with your life, look at your children's success. Because every book that I've ever read, every book that I've ever understood, I've read it understanding that it was my way out. And it was my mother who taught me to have the courage. It was my mother who taught me to be a man. It was my mother who taught me that this world was mine and to take control of my destiny. It was my mother who has given me the confidence to speak to all of you. So for all the mothers who are struggling, just remember to look at your children. Look at the strength you developed. Look at the strength and developed in the men and women you raised and you will find the confidence you lost. So remember, believe in yourself. We are all self-made. But only the successful will admit it, said Earl Nightingale. Beware of the voices in your head. I told myself for years that I didn't have the stuff to be successful. I remember in the beginning when I decided that it was my business or bus, those closest to me would ask me, why don't you just go back to work and get a job? <laughs> I, know you want, I know you want to start a business, but maybe this is just not the right time with everything you have going on. 
My uncle on my mother's side who loves me, who would give me anything that I asked him of, would be the one who would always say, Melvin, you got to go get a job. Why don't you apply for Uber and drive like I am? I'm driving for them right now. You can make money. I would look him in the eyes, lying to him and say, I know I have to get a job. But in my mind, I was repeating that there are 86,400 seconds in a day. Those seconds are critical. And how I used those seconds were what was going to separate me from the masses. I didn't have one second to work for someone else's dream. I had something driving me to be great. And it wasn't working for someone else. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up and, 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 and end it with this last thing. When I asked my mother why she was so hard on me, she said, when you were told your whole life that you are a whore, that you aren't going to never be shit and you're nothing but a dumb bitch or being put down or drugs becoming your mother because you never, ever had a friend. Or I asked her why she never gave up. She said that she was abused from four years old with a broken arm and rib being taken, given to the state. How she became a runaway at nine. How she got into a group home at 10. How she became a juvenile delinquent at, at, at 13, pregnant by 14. Try to commit suicide the first time at 15. Being left out on the streets for a month at a time at 15. Becoming a widower at 21. After becoming a widower, getting into an abusive relationship with a man in 1984, just a year, excuse me, 1985, just a year after her husband died, becoming addicted to crack cocaine, becoming homeless, having losing a brother, brother being murdered because of drugs, losing custody of her children for a temporary period of time, having a son that was diagnosed with schizophrenia, losing a child who died from schizophrenia, having a son who was incarcerated in a state penitentiary. Never going back to drugs. Having a daughter who died. She never gave up. She never even let me think that it was all right to give up. So every time that I look for strength, I just look at my mother. So I wanted to share a little bit about who I am in my life and what made Philly made because it is my passion to help you start your dream. It is my passion to let you know that you can come back from any hardship. You can start all over again, okay? All of us may not be able to start over, but any of us can start a new life, can start a new dream, can have a new passion. So thank you very much for your time, and I hope that you have a great day. And this is Philly Made Take Two.